This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour. Back again with you guys for another show for another episode of our Raw Reaction series. And specifically, the Raw Reaction show in which we are going to be discussing Arsenal's 2-0 victory over Leeds United. And of course, getting plenty of your thoughts, your feelings, your queries and questions into the chat box. That's what we focus on in these shows is making sure that your guys' thoughts are represented as much as feasibly possible and read out as many of your comments as we can. So without further ado, let's get straight into today's show and be talking about what was, in my view, it was a game in which I I lacked entertainment. Is I'll be real, is I thought it wasn't the best of games. Uh, I was at the ground last night and uh, I was working 7 till 3 today, hence why there was no 8am show uh, today whatsoever. Um, but uh, that's what it means that I've obviously jumped around you guys to to throw on a show today. But I wasn't I wasn't particularly entertained last night. Uh, it's probably the best thing, uh, the best way to put it. It wasn't the most entertaining of fixtures. I enjoyed my time sitting with Mike from the Gooners Pod, of course, but actually trying to tangibly take something from that game and beyond just it being an exercise to to rotate the squad and give some players opportunities that haven't necessarily had too many chances it's tough to think and look beyond that um but we will be talking about the individual performances we'll be talking about what it means and what it could do for this team moving forwards but if you haven't done so already please do drop a like on the show and subscribe to the channel as well to keep up to date with all of the latest Arsenal content, I'll be back as usual tomorrow at 8am for your show. Apologies that there was none this morning, um, but uh, duty calls and uh, work calls in particular. Jumping into the chat box, Daniel Roberts says, Morning, Tom. Never usually up this early at 8am. Uh, Rishi Rich says, Good evening, Tom. Uh, the Real Folk says, uh, Nice to catch these lives since 8am at UK time. It's 3am here in Miami. What? So you're not getting up at 3am? Like some other very dedicated of our Western listeners, I genuinely cannot believe that you guys in Canada and the States and, and in South America turn up at ridiculous times to watch my 8am show. I'm very appreciative of those that do. What's up, Joseph? Good to have in the chat. 
May uh, Taz says, could tell who were the second team players. And Kian says, Martinelli needs to come on more during games. Let's focus on the individual performances and go through this team. Arsenal awarded through their Twitter account and taken into account plenty of votes from the uh, adoring public. But Leno got man of the match. How things can be so surprising for Arsenal supporters at the moment, it seems. Because if you'd have said to me that there was any chance of Burton Leno receiving a man of the match performance and vote from Arsenal fans, I would have said you're mad. But he definitely saved Arsenal on a number of occasions. Leeds were able to get in behind Arsenal with some long balls and with some balls in behind. And Leno was on hand to save. He's not been playing all that much, but when he was called upon, he definitely delivered. Uh, and so that is certainly something to be positive about. I know that pretty much everyone has resigned us to pretty much saying that Leno's time at Arsenal is done and that his time at the the club is, is probably going to be over very soon. But what I would say is that it's going to be interesting in January whether or not he decides to continue on in the cup competitions. We'll be playing in those, well, I say we will. We will need to see who we play in the quarterfinals first. But if we were to get to the League Cup semifinals, both of those legs take place in January. Will Burton Leno still be here in January? That is certainly something that we're going to be trying to to consider and think about as we go forward during that time. Uh, I think it will do a lot for Arsenal to to probably move on a £20 million rated keeper and bring someone else in. When you've got £20 million worth of players sitting on the bench who isn't going to be getting too many minutes in the goalkeeping area, I would probably move uh, probably move them on and bring someone else in. But he may wish to try and stay and fight for his place. But based upon some of the words that he's spoken during interviews, I don't think it's that likely that he will end up staying, is, is my feeling around Leno at the moment. Uh, let's see what you guys are saying about this in the chat box. Dan Robert says, we're just trying to push Ramsdale even more and soon he'll be the best keeper in the world. Peter points out that it might have bumped up his price by a few million quid. I'm not sure a League Cup game against Leeds is going to really push up your price all that much. I think everyone knows that his market value is between that 15 to 20 million pound mark right now. With his contract running out at the end of 2023, we can expect this to be something that Arsenal will look to act upon in, in 2022 at the latest. Um, in fact, is it... I'm pretty sure it's 2023 it runs out. So he'll have a year left on his deal um, come the end of this season. But I imagine that the club will want to do something about that contract before it runs out. Um, Inter will take him soon, says Kian. I'm not sure that they will, to be honest. Inter Milan are very much interested in taking Andre Onana from uh, Ajax. I'm not sure that Leno is on their radar at the moment. Good evening to Bro Pro in the chat, seeing what else you guys want to discuss from yesterday's game. Uh, White is fine, question mark. I mean, from what we've heard from Arteta, is that uh, White suffered from a, a bug that's going around, from illness. He's not expected to to be out for a long time. Whether he's fit again for the game against Leicester is unknown. We'll obviously hear from Michael Arteta. Uh, I believe tomorrow, I think the press conference is tomorrow. It's going to be tomorrow or Friday. So we should hear from Mikel Arteta very soon. Uh, and I'm sure he'll be asked about the fitness of Ben White going into that game. Um, the Real Folks says, uh, truth is, a lot of the guys who played last night will hopefully drive up their price to sell or stay ready in case of injury. I mean, if you look through that whole 11, Leno, 
probably would sell. Cedric would sell. Holding would probably sell. White, you keep him. Kalasanach would sell. That's already four players that I've talked about, and we've only gone through five of them. Mohamed Elneny would sell. Ainsley Maitland-Niles would sell. Gabriel Martinelli, tempted to say loan. I mean, I, I really feel like he needs regular game time, and he's not going to get that Arsenal, and I feel like maybe a January loan would help him, but do we have the depth to cope without Gabriel Martinelli? That's the conundrum that we have. But I feel like at Arsenal, he's not going to get the minutes that he needs. And he's a really top quality talent. And I'm worried that without regular game time, he isn't going to succeed at Arsenal. Or maybe a, a loan could do him some really good. Uh, do him really good, rather. So maybe that's what we need to consider. Um, Eddie Nketiah, sell. Who else have we got? Pepe, I would sell personally. Uh, £25 million big came in for Pepe. I'm taking it all day long. Um, I'd... <laughs> Mike knows my feelings about Pepe at the moment, and like I didn't, I felt like he struggled in that game yesterday. There was a, there was an instance where Mike nudged me as Pepe was running through, uh, and I looked up to then see Pepe fall over unchallenged when on the ball. And today I've seen a few people clip that moment and say this sums up Pepe's uh, career at Arsenal so far. Now I think that's a bit harsh. <laughs> Just a tad harsh. He's not all about falling over, but Pepe for me, if he's struggling in a game like that, and I think he did, um, and didn't really offer all that much, I am concerned um, for his future at the club. And as I've made my feelings known, I don't have to hammer this point in any further. If an offer came in, I would move him on. Uh, Andy Love says, Tom, we have to keep Leno until the end of the season. Imagine we are fighting for a European spot with five games to go and Ramsdale gets injured. Andy, I'll put forward to you the point that maybe what you could do is you sell him in January and you bring in a very capable keeper to fill that void that doesn't necessarily cost us all that much to do. Someone like Alex McCarthy from Southampton as a backup, very cheap contract runs out in six months. Someone like a Sam Johnston at, uh, at West Brom could be someone we look at also only has six months left on his deal. So there are options out there for the club to be looked at. Uh, the Onyx Lens says, truth be told, Martinelli and Pepe as backups are not bad options. You're right, but when Pepe's sitting on the bench and is worth a certain amount of money, I'd rather that we sold and reinvested in someone that can push towards a starting place rather than being happy and comfortable with a backup position. Amadeep says, Saka to Pepe is the biggest downgrade in the squad, along with Tommy and any right back. Really worrying. Depth in this side is always something that's going to be focused on. But with nine changes made against that game uh, last night against Leeds, it was... What surprised me, actually, was the fact that Leeds played so many of their first-team players and still looked very ordinary. I think there's there's big problems for Leeds this season under Bielsa. If Arsenal's B team, with only a couple of starters, is is managing to, to come out 2-0 winners and not necessarily look massively... Um, not massively... What's the word I'm looking for? Threatened? Then that's a, that's a worry for Leeds, that's for sure. Uh, Kian says, Basunu... Uh, from the Republic of Ireland. Who is this Basunu goalkeeper? Is he the guy that's on loan at Portsmouth from City? Um, yeah. I've watched him play. I, when I, yes, he's actually not bad. I've seen him play Basunu. I've seen him play um, for Portsmouth when I went to watch Charlton draw 2-2 against them. Basunu was in goal and, and uh, he was okay. The goals that he let in weren't his fault, that's for sure. So not a bad shout maybe, Kian, but I doubt Manchester City are going to let their 
talented young keeper go for very much money. That is for sure. Um, Taz says, I like Pepe, but he often controls the ball and hands it over to defend it or miscontrols the ball. Certainly does indeed. Joseph says, I'm in agreement with the consensus. It's time to move on from our 72 million pound plus guy. Dan says, if White is out for Leicester, would you start Tomiyasu at centre-back with Cedric at right-back or play Chambers? Well, if Rob Holding looks to be a bit injured, we don't know the extent of his injury from the game either. My instinct tells me I would go Chambers um, and keep Tomiyasu, just because I think the drop-off in quality from going from Tomiyasu to Cedric is much, much less uh, sorry, is much, much greater than going from Ben White to Chambers and keeping uh, Tommy Astor on the right-hand side. I think that I think that still helps us a lot more. I mean, arguably, you could play Tommy Astor at right centre-back and Chambers at right-back. I think Chambers at right-back gives the same kind of style that Tommy Asu does. They're both much more disciplined, reserved right-backs than Cedric is. So maybe you don't necessarily lose the same amount of... Um, structure to your defense so maybe that's the right option um food for the souls is high top why does our fan base spill negativity even when we win games like last night not all games can be flawless no uh, i disagree with you here food for the soul i don't think i think there's difference between negativity and criticism i think criticism is is correct and you should always be critical uh, about certain aspects of the game arsenal weren't that impressive last night we got the win. That's the most important thing. That's what I'm pleased and happy about. But I think we still need to go into the analysis of the game and look at the areas that we need to develop and improve. Or if that area of development means swapping out a player for someone else in an upcoming transfer window, that's something that we need to focus on. I personally get a little bit more frustrated at people that completely disregard the idea of criticising and calling it negativity. There is a difference between being negative and criticising. And it's important that you maintain the line between those two things. Because if you cross the line and start to call criticism over-the-top negativity, then you lose all objectiveness. Like, and you don't want to lose that because it will stop you from, you know, sensibly critiquing games. So there you go. I hope that makes more sense. Uh, Paul says, holding was a surprise. I like him breaking the lines with a run regarding keepers. Am I, am I the only person who thinks that Hein would be a capable backer? It's really easy to say, Paul, uh, and I mean this in the most polite way, but it's really easy to say that Hein may be a very capable backer without it actually happening. And without it actually happening, we have no idea whether or not it would work. It's easy to see him in the youth sides and say it would work. He's also played in the international setup for Estonia, which is positive. But uh, you know, it's a big risk to take. And if it was to backfire, it would backfire quite badly and on a young player in our youth side. So that, that's why I'm a little bit resistant. But I'm not averse to the idea entirely. But I would say that we need to step with a bit of caution. On the holding thing, I think that Ben White's presence arguably may have had an impact on Rob Holding. Rob Holding was doing some very Ben White-esque things, if that makes sense, during the games, breaking the lines, running forwards. That was, that's been really, really good uh, from him. And that was certainly a uh, certainly something that I look forward to seeing more of if he does stay at the club. Ingar says, is there an option to get Saliba back on loan in January? Nope, no option on him whatsoever. Uh, Ingar says, the real test will be on Saturday versus Leicester. That will show what Arteta's Arsenal can do. Their midfield is much better than ours. I mean, Ingars, I'd love to know your thoughts on Arsenal's A-game unbeaten run as someone that I know is very critical uh, and can, I think, cross the line into negativity sometimes and maybe more agenda-driven. I'd love to know what your thoughts are 
are, especially on how we played on Friday. Uh, Hovick says, the most improved is probably Rob Holding's hairline. I mean, if only we could meticulously and surgically improve Arsenal's team, quite like he's improved his hairline. But I'll be very honest, if you're still watching me in a few years' time, you may find me getting a bit jealous of Rob Holding's hairline. You never know. I may have to act on that myself. Uh, Michigan Guna says, Martinelli played better when he had Tavares and little more centrally, but seems to have lost a bit of pace. But their young left back was maybe a yard faster. Martinelli, I don't know if he's lost a yard of pace. I just think he's out of comfort. I think he's lacking in confidence, lacking in minutes, lacking in consistency. And he needs to improve and push forwards. And hopefully we'll see him do that if he's given more opportunities in the Arsenal first team. Mr. Joe Kerr says, last night was ugly as a makeup-wearing dog, but we got we got past Leeds, and that's something to be appreciative of. Far from champagne, more like special brew, but we have a quarterfinal now in late October. Mr. Joe Kerr, as descriptive terms for games go, you managed to keep that fairly uh, within the lines and yet still absolutely ridiculous. And to be honest, I quite appreciate the similes involved with that description. But yes, the important thing being that we are indeed in the quarterfinals of the League Cup. I have to ask you guys, who is your preferred option to play in the quarterfinals? There is, of course, games still going on this evening. Let's just have a look at who we could possibly face in the quarterfinal of the competition. Remember, one more win in this competition and you're through to a two-legged semi-final. Uh, we could play Chelsea or Sunderland or... No, that is literally it right now. Chelsea or Sunderland are the only confirmed teams. We've got Stoke playing Brentford, West Ham playing Man City, Leicester playing Brighton, Burnley playing Spurs and Preston playing Liverpool. There's a lot still to happen and still to occur during these uh, these fifth round games. It's amazing. You, I mean, if you're in the third round, which many Premier Leagues do start off in the third round, if you're in Europe, of course, which for the first time we don't happen to be in, you win two games and you win a quarterfinal. It's a really strange kind of dynamic for these Premier League clubs. Sunderland, please. I want Burnley, says Goulding. And I like this because you know what Pete's saying by that? Peter's saying, I want Burnley, means that he knows that they're knocking out Spurs. That's that's the important thing here. I don't. I like that as an answer, Peter, and I appreciate your forward thinking on that one. I see you. Uh, Hughes says Sunderland. Uh, anyone that's not named Chelsea, Liverpool, and Man City says Hugh. Avoid Chelsea and City says Omar. Uh, so there you go. Definitely interesting. Ingars uh, replying to my question from Melissa's Tom. I think we have looked better recently, but performances versus Brighton and Palace were poor. Villa game was the best performance this season, but it's all about consistency and keeping it going. Absolutely, I think you're spot on. Answer says, I would prefer Sunderland, but I know we're going to get Chelsea. You know what's going to happen if we get Chelsea? We're going to draw 2-2 at Stamford Bridge, and then we're going to go to penalties, and they'll go through on pens, because that's all they seem to do in this competition, is Chelsea just seem to go through on penalties. It's all they're capable of. I don't understand the consistency. We want consistency in this team. Chelsea fans are lapping up their consistency in the League Cup because all they can seem to do is go through on penalties, which is annoying, annoyingly lucky, especially when Villa deserved to go through in the previous round. And uh, I've not seen the Southampton game back. But I'm going to assume that Southampton deserved to go through <laughs> more than Chelsea did. Uh, Angela says, I am very much looking forward to the game against Leicester. I would go with the exact same lineup against Villa, given the fitness of players. Best all-round performance in the eight-game unbeaten run. Uh, I, I do tend to agree with you. Uh, the 
I like the idea of going with the similar. The only tweak I might make is taking out Lacazette for Odegaard. The only reason for that is because Leicester don't tend to play in the same way as Villa. In fact, looking at Leicester's fixtures, just seeing as how they lined up in their previous game when they beat Brentford uh, away from home. Just having a quick look of where that is. There we go. Uh, Leicester's lineup in that game was... Oh, but to be fair, they did line up with the back three. Demarte, Demarte, Amarte, Evans, Soyuncu as their back three. Castagna and Pereira, Tielemans, uh, Samara, Madison, Iheanacho and Jamie Vardy. Uh, it's probably their... One of their, if not their best team right now. Vestergaard's been taken out of the lineup. Pats and Daka can, of course, come in and cause a little bit of chaos. Um, but I'm looking at that team. Harvey Barnes, you think maybe could get into the F. They decide to go with a back four. But maybe we're going to use this same system again and tackle another back three system. We did manage to win at the King Power last season with Willian having his best and probably only best performance of the season by the opening game of last season against Fulham, of course. Um, but we did manage to go there and put in a very good display. So let's see if we can carry that form away from home at Leicester again. Gary says, the most impressive thing for me last night was how brave we were with the ball once we went 1-0 up. We didn't sit back. We kept doing the right things, playing forward, except for Cedric. Now, this is something that we've touched upon on the Arsenal way on our other channel. Link to it is in the description. There's a, a tactical analysis show that is out right now where me and David Hughes, uh, my colleague and scouting writer at Reach, was talking a lot about Aston Villa and how we tackled that game. But one of the things that we've talked about previously is with Josh Williams, our other scouting writer that I've done shows over there with, is that when Arsenal score, they tend to then, you know, sit back. They tend to then hit on the counter. But against Villa, they didn't do that. And last night, they didn't either. And maybe this is showing a little bit more initiative from Arsenal, a little bit less of wanting to sit back on our laurels and accept the scoreline that we have, and instead really push on after scoring. So that's what I'm hopefully looking forward to seeing in the next game. Uh, Steve Stone says, Leicester at the weekend could be a really good match. If we do manage to get three points, I will definitely shift from the out to the sitting on the fence camp, which is fair play. You've got to always have your mind, Steve, to be open. Uh, I'd love to know if you are currently sitting on the, the the other side of the fence or rather the side that I'm still very much sitting on, which is thinking that a change of coach is probably the better thing for the club. What would you need to see in the games coming up and how much would it take in the games going forward to get back either on the fence or even off that fence and onto the other side regarding your feelings about the manager? Do let us know in the chat box. would love to know what you guys are thinking. Hovick says, Laka's energy has been energizing so far for us. And certainly he got so much. He was, he was being so energetic against Villa that he had to go off with cramps. So hopefully he'll be fine. He came on, of course, last night against Leeds and looked fine. So he should be hopefully fit for the weekend as well. Um, Jalil uh, uh, says, Hi, Tom. Any thoughts on the first professional footballer who came out uh, as gay yesterday? Yes. Uh, I actually tweeted uh, my thoughts out on this a little bit earlier on this afternoon because um, what Josh Cavallo did was, was, was really brave. And I put the tweet out saying that it shouldn't be brave. It should categorically not be brave for anyone to come out uh especially i mean i even said the word especially like for footballers for footballers there's always been this stereotype isn't there like you're there's this stereotypical thing in england especially i think that if you it like the hooliganism of england and some of the horrible things that go on inside football stadiums and as we know 
from the, the very, very obvious existence of racism still in the sport, that there are horrible things that are said from the crowd. And so I think that there is a concern that if a footballer is gay and if they were to come out, that they would receive, as Josh himself talks about in his video that he posted on social media, that they too will receive abuse. So that's why I say it's brave for a player to come out, but it shouldn't be brave. It shouldn't be brave at all. Um, it's It should be just very, it shouldn't even need to be a thing. You should be just be able to be who you are uh, in the sport. But thankfully and hopefully what Josh has done is going to inspire plenty of other footballers uh, to to come out and uh, and be, you know, be brave, even though I don't think it should be considered. Um, should oh, I think it definitely should be considered brave, but I don't think we should consider it needing to be brave to do it. So, yes, uh, really well done for bringing that up, Jalil. And uh, thank you for your uh, for your comments. Uh, let's go to Wrath of Aries. Do you think we are in a better overall position as a club than Spurs if you take players, managers and transfers into consideration? Um, I think that if you go through their lineup, and we did a lot of kind of combined 11s ahead of the North London derby, we've definitely closed the gap. I was actually, when I was chatting with David Hughes earlier, who, as I said, is our scouting writer over at Reach. He's a big Everton fan. And I remember doing a show or a podcast on the channel. I think it was with Mike, and I think we were sitting with Drew. And I think I put forth an argument that Leicester, not Leicester, Everton, sorry, have a had a better squad than Arsenal. But they actually did the improvements that have happened to the likes of Smith Rowe and Bakaya Saka over the last 10 months or so. Um, and the improvements to the squad that Edu has made by bringing in Ramsdale and Laconga and Erdegar and Tavares and um, Tomiyasu and Ben White, we have easily got, now, you look at it, a better squad and a better team. And I actually believe that we've got the fifth best squad in the league, personally. And a lot of that is down to the improvements done by the coach to, to some of the players, not all, and some players have not improved and more do need to improve but also the additions of the technical director. Again, I find it very difficult when Edu gets a lot of criticism from people, and I think it's not necessarily balanced. I don't think if you if you look at all the pros and the cons of Edu's time at Arsenal, the good things that Edu has done are far, far, far outweigh the negatives. The negatives are Willian, Runison, and probably a failure to move on enough players in the summer and a failure to bring in a central midfielder. But the positives is a drastic turnaround of Arsenal's recruitment over the last 24 months. If you look at the summer of 2020, bringing in Gabriel and Partey was two huge, momentous things for this football club. Not only that, but we were able to push away from the club Meza Ozil, Squadron Mustafi, Socrates, high earners that were not having any kind of influence on the first team where they are allowed to or not. You've also got the situation where this summer we've changed strategy. We have gone and lowered the average age of the squad. We brought in six 23 and under players that have been, all of them have been influential so far, so far, so far this season. Ramsdale, brilliant. Tavares has shined in the few performances that we've seen him. Erdogan is probably the big question, but I think that his pressing has been good in half of the games that he's played. The free kick against Burnley got us a really crucial three points. He obviously was here in the last half of last season and scored in a North London derby, which is always appreciated. But I think he's probably the, the least impressive of the six so far and needs to definitely improve and show some more effort. I think you look at Lukonga, what a surprise he's been. Ben White proved all the doubt was wrong after that first worrying game against Brentford. And Tommy Asu, 
Certainly a fan favourite already has provided perfect balance to Arsenal's defence and has really looked to be quite a hell of a player. So there you go. Um, fantastic stuff. Also, great to see so many of you fighting the good fight in the chat box and uh, appreciate a lot of what you're saying. Um, it was a really good thing to bring up, Jalil. I appreciate what you did earlier on. Ingar says, to those wanting Arteta to stay and are Arteta in, were you the same about Emery? With Arteta, we finished eighth for two seasons and still did mid-table in no real direction. From my perspective, Ingar's, and I'm not Arteta in as it's... <laughs> I say stupidly because I hate, I honestly hate the amount of division that's created in the fan base. I think it's ridiculous. And I know that you use quotation marks as well. What I would say is the difference between Emery and Arteta is a very clear thing about the squad. And that's important from a club perspective is that the players absolutely categorically were not following Emery at the end. I mean, for a couple of months, they were done, absolutely done, finished, could put over fed up of Unai Emery. And I mean, to be honest, with the football that was being played, I can't blame them. And whilst I don't think the football was, and the style of football's necessarily even improved, in fact, I don't think the style of football's improved at all under Mikel Arteta so far, there is something different. There's something different about this group of players and the manager right now. He hasn't lost the dressing room like Unai Emery did. In fact, I don't think even during the worst period of Mikel Arteta which you would have to say is probably the the festive just before the festive period of last season even then the players were behind him in the hardest of times they still backed him and I think that's maybe something that encouraged me to stay with it at the time even though I don't think I was rightly doing it and that's definitely why my opinion has changed because back-to-back eighth place finishes with the squad that's available I don't think is good enough but that's the difference between Emery and Arteta from a club perspective, not from a fan opinion point of view, it's factual that these players are still behind Arteta and it's factual that they certainly weren't at the end of the Unai Emery era. Now, I don't think that we should be looking to point out hypocrisy from fans. If you're still behind Mikel Arteta and you can come up with a good explanation as to why, I'll accept that. But I don't think to turn around Ingars and try and catch people out is the right way to go about it when the ultimate goal of what people are doing is supporting the coach. If you want to do it in the other sense of the word, if you want to try and catch people out for abusing the manager or being you know, overly or over the top about him, then I think that's completely fair and fair play to him. But if you're trying to catch people out for supporting the coach, I think that's a little bit strange. Hovick says, Tom, can you imagine how fire the Amazon documentary is going to be? Going from three straight losses to eight undefeated. Lahovic, I think that it's going to be an interesting piece of work. Uh, it's probably how I would describe it. Certainly so. I'm really looking forward to it. I always said I was looking forward to it. I said when it was announced on the show, and we did a show dedicated to the announcement of it, that I was buzzing. And I still am buzzing about the idea of this documentary. But at the same time, I do have concerns about how quickly this season can turn and how quickly things can change. And in which case, if it does end, if the season does end badly, it's going to be very difficult watching. That's fair to say. Tim says, is it fair to credit Arteta for two eighth place finishes when he was in charge for one fifth, one, uh, one and a half of them? Oh, I see what you mean. Uh, yes, absolutely, Tim. He takes the fall for those two eighth place finishes. He takes the credit. He takes everything that's associated with that. He takes because there were some really disappointing displays. There were some bad league displays at the end of that 2019-20 season. 
Um, so yeah, he still has to take the credit for it. What I would say is that there were a lot of people talking about Carlo Ancelotti during the time when we appointed Mikel Arteta, saying that look at what he's doing to Everton, look at what he's doing there. And Ancelotti finished in 12th and 10th with Everton. You might say with Everton, but the way that people were talking, they were going to be rising up to the top six and overtaking Arsenal. Well, that didn't happen. And uh, I'm very wary of doing the same thing about Rafa Benitez because we saw at the weekend, Everton can be got at. They are vulnerable and they had a strong start, as did Angelotti's Everton, but may trail off once again. Well, I thought and see. I mean, speaking to David, the Everton fan at David Hughes at Reach, he doesn't seem that confident about their hopes of, of being ahead of Arsenal come the end of the season. So we'll wait and see. On that one, Angelus Blaze says the last four or five games we have are of a style of play and squad type. A quick out of the blocks, high press and counter attack inside. Still some reservations, however. I now see a direction. I see a direction. I don't see it consistently, though. I would disagree slightly with you, Angelus, over the last four to five games. I thought we lacked style against Brighton and Crystal Palace entirely. I thought we had an idea against Spurs against the first 45 minutes. We then kind of abandoned that in the second half, and that's why we nearly went back to 3 2. And against Aston Villa, that's the only tangible time I've been able to see real evidence of a style across the entire game and where we, you know, polled on the pressure after going one goal up. So I want to see that Aston Villa blueprint used in the upcoming fixtures. That's what I want to see moving forwards. Um, Gunner Bowling says, uh, from Twitch, you can actually watch us on Twitch. Um, drop a follow if you're down to run some to run some together in time. Loving the stream and the vibes. Thanks, Gunnar Bowling. Really appreciate the support. If you, we, we are, in fact, on Twitch. I mean, not many of us watch us over there on Twitch. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know why. I've just never really promoted the Twitch, even though we are streaming there live. I know most people tune in on YouTube and on uh, Twitter. But uh, if you'd like to give us a follow on Twitch and help us get up to 50 followers, then that's that first level that you need to get to. Then help us get to 50. And, uh, and watch us there as well and still drop a like on YouTube if you would like to show some additional support for the channel. Uh, Jake Snack says, we can get a taken out of that style very quickly when we play an attacking team. Exactly. Uh, when we go up against Leicester on Sunday, the style that we're supposedly seeing is going to get very much tested. And so we will see how we get on with that. Greg says, Arteta is easier to understand. We now have hungry, motivated, and enthusiastic young players who are team players. The cobwebs have been swept away and the mentality of this team is much improved. So there you go. Ingo says, Tom, I hear you, but what is the difference? We don't have a style of play. And Arteta, again, this don't have. You're speaking very binary, Ingo's, which you need to be careful of not doing. Speaking in absolutes about football is dangerous because... You can get very easily proven wrong. Um, I think, what was it the other day? I saw a tweet uh, saying that, I can't remember what the tweet was, but effectively the analogy is, is that if you say that we don't have this or Arsenal are not this, when there's evidence to suggest the opposite to that, you can very quickly be proven wrong. Arsenal don't have a style of play as a sentence, as a, as a quote, is inaccurate. Arsenal don't consistently show a style of play is the better way to put it, but they have shown a style. The style I see Mikel Arteta using over the majority of his tenure has been very much one of 
it, it's it's a wide use of the wide areas, very one-dimensional, crosses into the box as much as possible. That isn't no style, it's just quite a poor style. But he is starting to shift. And with the additions made in midfield and also in the defence, we are seeing a greater style that's more varia- is variated, or there's a greater variation in the style. Uh, and I think that we're moving towards something different. But I will address your point. We don't have a style under play under Arteta. It's just doing windmills on the touch and players that got to be confused because results don't improve. Well, results have improved quite drastically since the start of the season. Um, the performances are what need we need to find more. Uh, we need to find more consistently. And why is why it looks like I've got glitter in my hair? What's going on with the <laughs> this green? Honestly, and so I need to get this light sorted out. Let's see if we can change this. No, that might be okay. Hopefully that stops the flickering. I don't think it has, but we're just going to go forward anyway. Uh, Bro Pro says it's remain uh, it's remain to see the consistency of the performance week in week out. It's as simple as that. That's the challenge of Arteta. If Arteta can go into that Leicester game uh, and get a result, now it may be a win. Like Leicester is still a very good team. We have to remember, but if we can get a result in that game, stay unbeaten but play well, I'll I'll be fine with that. Getting a win there is amazing. Taking a point from there and a strong point after a good performance, I can accept if as long as you go into that Watford game and put in another strong display and then you beat Watford because then we go to Liverpool. And I think playing against Liverpool and making sure we're unbeaten after 10 games could be really key to having any hope in that match. I'm not expecting anything against Liverpool. And you know what happens is I don't think many people do expect much when we play against Liverpool. And yet, when we do get inevitably battered by them at times, all that happens is absolute meltdown. I'm not expecting anything at all against Liverpool when we play them. They have got, in my view, the best player in the world right now in Mohamed Salah. And they are my title favourites still for this season. If we get battered and we get outplayed, I will accept it. I didn't accept the Manchester City game anywhere near that because the team selection was all wrong from Arteta. There were some silly choices. Granite Xhaka really cost us in that game with a stupid decision of his own. But the Liverpool game, we've got players available. It's going to be a bit of a, a barometer of how we compete against these big sides. But the Leicester game and the Watford game, if we can get four from six points out of those, I'd take it. Uh, if you said you can get four from six out of those two games, I would certainly be taking that right now. But I want to hopefully see us go there and win. Uh, but it's a tough place to go. And Leicester are a very good team. And they've obviously just beaten Manchester United and Brentford and Spartak Moscow. And they're now turning their form. So it is not going to be easy. If they end up battering us, then we're back to square one right after we was after the Brighton result and after the Crystal Palace result. So let's hopefully go to Leicester and put in a good performance and see some consistency in this side. Magamo says, Tom, if we finished eighth again and they don't sack Arteta and people start making excuses for him, then what? We can't do crap unless uh, board raises standards, which I think they don't. Look, I've said this for a while. If we aren't in European, if we don't qualify for Europe, and I don't mean the Conference League, if we don't qualify for the Champions League or the Europa League next season, basically, if we don't finish in the top six, Arteta should not stay shouldn't stay and the feeling around the club and the feeling I get is that there would be some conversations to be had if we weren't in the top six and we didn't win any silverware this season and if we did finish outside that top six I think the club would have a bit of a decision to make however uh, it's just now about making sure that we you know we get some consistency in our game and getting behind the team because I've really enjoyed what I've seen over these 
uh, over some of these eight games, um, but some of it is, is still not quite there. And we need to see more consistency. We always come back to that word. Consistency is king. And that's what we need to see from this Arsenal side. Manu says, would you accept an embarrassing game against Liverpool? Not talking about a score on like 5-0, but I'm talking about the way that we lose. Look, if we get four points from Leicester and, and Watford, I go into that Liverpool game basically with nothing to lose. Um, it's That's a really good way to go into a game sometime when you have nothing to lose because it takes the pressure off. And we should try to remove the pressure off ourselves when we go into that game against Liverpool. And I think expectation of getting something from that game, you are going to be let down. And so I'm going to go into that game without expectation. I'm going to go into that game hoping that we will be able to play our game and get much more on the ball. We've got a lot of players in our team that should help us compete against Liverpool better than we have done in the past. But they are an unbelievable side. And I have to respect that. And I have to take that into account when analysing a game. I hope that we aren't embarrassed. I'm not accepting of an embarrassing defeat, but I would be understanding of a or of a bad loss is, is probably where I would put it. So there you go. Um, let's go to Manu who says, I get that, but is there not a way to lose with your head held high? Yeah, if you put in a good display, I mean, look at Brighton the other day. I thought they showed a bit of metal against Manchester City, even though they lost. So those types of defeats, I think you can, you can look at and say, look, we did our absolute best. We still lost really badly, but I think we came out of the game looking pretty good still. So yeah, I think you can lose a game and still come out of it with modicum of respect uh weedy marley says uh, if emil smith throw and saka pass to others more we would finish half of these games off in the first half as good as they are they are not finished products and they give the ball away more than getting assists and they're young players you said you've, you've explained the reason behind your criticism weedy they are still we're relying on a 20 and 21 year old to be our creative sparks of arsenal football club it's we're asking a hell of a lot of Smithrow and, and Saka. And that's why criticism of the two and, and heavy slating of the two, I find very odd, very strange uh, and very agenda driven. I think the pair are, are very young and they're doing above and beyond what would be expected of players of their age in this team, in this climate. So I'm looking forward to seeing them develop further. And if this is what they're like at 20 and 21, then what player are we going to see when they're in their mid twenties and eventually in their prime? I look forward to being many years older and watching, hopefully, some very fantastic footballers at Arsenal. That's for sure. Uh, Utah, I wouldn't play Mainsley in the midfield. Uh, I think he had a good display against Leeds, but I'm playing Laconga and Partey. That's it. That's the one for me. That is, I think, where we're going to end today's show. Please do drop a like if you haven't done so already on the video and also subscribe to the Guna Talk if you have not done so either. I'll be back with you guys tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. UK time for the next show. And of course, we'll be bringing you a preview show as well on Friday ahead of the game against Leicester. So members in the Discord server will be able to come on that show and have their thoughts heard ahead of that game. But there's lots to talk about, lots to discuss. I'm looking forward to all of it. Have a fantastic evening and I'll see you tomorrow morning. Enjoy your day. And as always, up the Arsenal. 90 plus minute all your mates around and you've got a mcnuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfection order now on the mcdonald's app for your mc delivery you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.